No slander for Darnell Mooney. You take your Darnell Mooney, <laughs> and you get the f*** out of here. Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mental. Welcome in to the Fantasy Flexecution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Pelshotti. With me now and always, my boys, Kyle Settle and Devin Spawn. What's going on, fellas? Hey, pals. Hello. So, we're coming up on one of my favorite parts of the year, and I always forget about it until roughly June, July-ish, and that's Hard Knocks. It's coming back, Ooh, yeah. and I want to hear your guys' number one spot that they could choose this year. I know there's a lot of hype around Jacksonville, which would be insane, but they could actually deny it because of the rules. They got a, a new head coach, mm-hmm. but that would be awesome. I mean, just imagine the storylines of Trevor Lawrence. You got... Urban Meyer with all the storylines he brings with him. Tim Tebow, which hopefully wouldn't dominate the show, but we know it would. I mean, I think that would be awesome. What do you guys think? So the list, by the way, of uh, not like you said, all the coaches or all the teams rather with all new head coaches could be on there, but don't have to. But the five teams that if they are chosen would have to do it would be the Arizona Cardinals, Denver Broncos, New York Giants, Carolina Panthers, and Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately, I think everyone knows who the most popular team on that list is. And Johnny is an NFC East rival. I'm sure you probably don't want to spend your fall watching the Cowboys practice, but I think they'd be an entertaining team to watch. I I know that they get probably way too much press for the team they are, but I think the offense is going to be fun this year, and I'd like to see them sort of get it all together. Uh, Two fun Oh, oh, my bad. I was going to say two fun <laughs> facts. I've never watched anything Hard Knocks ever. For being what? a big football nut, never Gosh, watched dude. it in my life. Come uh, on. I just, I just don't. I don't know, man. You know me. People that suggest things to me and I don't watch them. I just don't care. Well, about you it. have to get Prime now. So if it was because you didn't have Prime, you have to have it because next year they got uh, what all the Thursday games going on Prime. So I, it has somebody, to be part of your repertoire. Somebody I know has it. I don't pay for any of my subscriptions. I'm a little... I'm a hustler out here. Yeah, and you're on my Hulu. You're on Dylan's Netflix. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm you're also, on my Disney+. Plus. I, yeah, I have my cousin's HBO Max and Hulu, okay. and yeah, I, I'm, I'm everywhere, dude. Oh, and uh, uh, YouTube TV. I have my roommate's YouTube TV. Okay. Other people pay him for it, so it's like, cool. But you're supposed I, to return one service back uh, whenever you service? give a service to someone like that. You're supposed to give them access to one of your services. My one service. the world goes around is that you get to the privilege of being friends with me because I don't like people very much. So there you go. Well, as interesting as this is, uh, <laughs> I think it's about time we move on to the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. So news is kind of light, but we got a few coaching talking points that we can kind of discuss if you guys really care about it much. Greg Roman, the OC for the Ravens, he thinks that Lamar Jackson is going to be under shotgun more and he's going to be throwing downfield more often. 
Um, do you think that's just coach speak or do you think that's something they're going to look forward to actually implementing here in 2021? So at this point in the off season, literally everything is coach speak. Unless it is uh, an official transaction, I'm really just not that interested in things coaches are saying at this point, unless it's negative, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Everyone is just Mr. Optimistic at this point in the offseason, but we're in OTAs. We haven't even put pads on yet. Devin, your boy, Jamison Crowder, uh, Robert Salah says that he has he's going to have a role on the team this year. Do you believe him or you still think he's getting cut? It just makes too much sense to cut him. I don't know why you would keep him, especially for the money you save from cutting him. But they have a decent receiving core, like, by name-wise. Like, people know the names. You know Mims, you know Corey Davis, you know Jameson Crowder. And they drafted Eli Moore. So it's like, yeah, I know these these fancy names, but I don't know. To me, it doesn't make sense to keep Jameson Crowder. Maybe they keep him through training camp, and then they're like, eh, you're just going to be one of those last-second cuts before the regular season starts. I think it really depends on how Eli Moore looks right out of the gates. If he looks solid, that he can be the slot guy, then it's see you, Jameson Crowder. Yeah, I mean, with the cap turning over and uh, you being able to bank cap in the next year, I think if Eli Moore shows up, it makes perfect sense to get rid of Jameson Crowder. Urban Meyer was quoted as saying, DJ Chark was a big guy that played small. That's rough to hear if you're DJ Chark, but uh, Kyle, I think you were alluding to this earlier. What do you got on us? Yeah, so it's easy to make your entire team come out smelling like flowers at this point in the offseason. So anytime you pull in negative press from a brand new head coach who came in, he watched you, and he, he pretty much called you a p- it's not a good shining endorsement of your role on the team. Everyone, I, mean, I, think, I mean, that's everyone's, a jump. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. He's, he called him it in a PC way, I guess. But to say that you're a big guy and you didn't play strong enough, like, I, I don't know. Everyone expects uh, DJ Chark to be You heard it here first. One. DJ Chark, big p- Yeah, let me shoot my address to him as soon as he wants to come through on that. But anyway. Ron Rivera expecting a big jump from Antonio Gibson. In big quotes, a big jump. I love to hear this because... I'm one of the guys who's super high on Antonio Gibson and who thinks that J.D. McKissick is not the, as big of a threat as people are making him out to be. Um, so I love to hear this. I think uh, Ron Vera wants to use a Christian McCaffrey-like bell cow in his offense. So I like to hear that. I mean, obviously, coach speak. It's early. He's going to pump up all his guys. But, you know, you can't help but uh, love to see it if you're as high on Antonio Gibson as I am. Uh, Joe Lombardi, OC for the uh, Chargers, says that Mike Williams will have nice numbers this year. This sounds like the most coach speak thing of all time. He will have nice numbers. That's just so bland and and nothing. I think we could just move on from that one. Anthony Lynn says the Lions will ride the hot hand at RB. Are you worried about DeAndre Swift, Evan? Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking to Kyle about this. It's like before we did our rankings and talked about running backs, I was like, eh, I'm kind of low on him. Then I did some research, and I'm like, man, I kind of like him a lot. But now it's like either they don't think DeAndre Swift is as talented as everyone else thinks he is, or I, I don't I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me why would they, why they would say that. Uh, they Sure, they signed Jamal Williams, but now now you got to be kind of concerned. Like, what if they do bring in a third running back at some point in the offseason? That's just someone who's going to take away more random touches for your more talented running back. It's It's weird to hear it be said i'm not going to hold any truth to it yet but it's still a little off-putting yeah i'm i'm not worried about this at all one this is coming from a coordinator in anthony lynn who has always sort of used the committee the whole time he was in san diego and in la but it 
didn't hurt either of the running backs that he really had there. He was obviously Melvin Gordon had a lot of success under him and Austin Eckler as well. So even if Swift is only on the field for 60% of the snaps, getting 60% of the touches, I think that's going to be plenty to keep him fantasy relevant. The main thing in Detroit is, as everyone knows, there's no targets there. So there's no reason DeAndre Swift shouldn't have a 60-plus catch campaign. He's going to do enough in the passing game that's going to keep him fantasy relevant around that RB1, RB2 uh, sort of threshold there. Gotcha, yeah. I mean, look into it as much as you want. We're never going to know. You know, We're just going to have to wait and see on that, I think. Moving on, guys, it's time to get in back into our Dynasty wide receiver rankings. We're going to go through number 13 to 24 today. Kyle, give me a rundown of our top 12 Dynasty wide receivers from last week. All right, at the top of the list, we had Tyreek Hill coming in at number one, number two, A.J. Brown, number three, Devontae Adams over in Green Bay, four to Seattle and D.K. Metcalf, number five, the Minnesota sophomore Justin Jefferson, New Hopkins comes in at number six, Stephon Diggs overall number seven, C.D. Lamb at number eight, Michael Thomas falls all the way to number nine, Terry McLaurin at number 10, D.J. Moore number 11, and the rookie before he's ever played a snap into our top 12 as a WR1 in Jamar chase well done my friend we're gonna start with number 13 and that is calvin ridley number 13 he is kyle's number 16 wide receiver devin's eighth ranked wide receiver and my 11th ranked wide receiver devin why is he so high in your rankings i mean number eight seems a little rich to me what do you got i just think from what we saw his production from 2018 to 2019 to this year um going from 64 grabs uh, to 63, it's one down, woohoo, but then 90 last year, 134 targets, 1,300 yards, he was a WR5 in PPR, averaged 16.1 yards per reception, I just think, especially with them moving Julio Jones, like, there wasn't Julio around last year, and Ridley's 26-27, coming into that prime uh, age for wide receivers, I just think it's it's Calvin Ridley proved last year if he could be a guy by himself, but he's he can be a dude. He's one of the best route runners in football. He's got Kyle Pitts with him. Russell Gage isn't bad either. He's got other weapons around him where it's not only focused on him. Regardless if it's Matt Ryan for two more years, one more year, I just think Calvin Ridley is absolutely a bona fide stud. So I have Calvin Ridley as my number 16 wide receiver. I'm definitely the outlier here. Most of the fantasy community has him somewhere in the top 10 like Devin. Uh, for me, this is more a gut thing than anything that I can... I'm not going to blow you away with any stat that says this is why he's going to suck moving forward. The closest thing I have is that the spike in his production from last year to his previously previous two years in the league is massive. He went from a 15% target share to a 14% target share and now up to a 24% target share last year when Julio was out. But if Kyle Pitts is going to be the prospect that everyone thinks, it may not happen this year, but here in another year or two, I wouldn't be surprised to see him command a sort of target share that will knock Ridley's out of that 20 number range, 20% range, and maybe back down to the teens. And I don't know if he's going to, what's the best way to put this? I don't know that he is talented enough a receiver to be able to stay in fantasy WR1 without commanding that elite target share. I just He's 25 years old already, so he's an older prospect than I think a lot of people realize. I thought he was overdrafted when he came into the league a couple years ago. He was one of those guys who played all four years in college, so his route running was elite, and NFL teams love that. But the fantasy community, at least on the analytics side, it's, they sort of keep their ears out for coach speak like that when you talk about a prospect's route running. That's just something that comes with time, so it makes sense that the older route or the older prospects are 
naturally better route running than the guys who are declaring early coming out after their first or second year of school. So it's more a gut thing that I don't think Ridley is that elite receiver that he's being drafted as. His situation's great, as everyone knows. If Julio leaves, which all signs point to, then he's going to be the number one in that offense, at least for a year or two while Pitts comes along. So I fully expect him to have a good season. I still have him as a mid-range WR2, but I think sometime around this year, maybe next offseason, if he does blow up, that's the time I'd be trying to get out of any shares I might have. So how could he change your mind? Would it just be the opportunity thing, the target share? You think that jumping out, would that would that kind of force you to send him into high-end wide receiver two or low-end wide receiver one? Yeah, good question. I think if he shows some consistency in a lead role this year, because even last year where he really had the blow-up campaign, he was still quite inconsistent. A lot of his fantasy numbers were based on a handful of games. I don't want to take that away from him, but he seems to have these blow-up games where he goes for 140 yards and scores two or three touchdowns. And it's it's it'll it'll sort of float him right. So if he can sort of find that happy middle ground and he's not sinking me over certain weeks, then I think I'd have to reconsider moving him up. Gotcha. Number fourteen in our rankings. Number fourteen. Chris Godwin. I have him ranked the lowest at number fifteen. Devin has him the highest at twelve, and Kyle's just there in the middle at number thirteen. So the big thing that that's kind of having me lower Chris Godwin in my rankings is we're kind of guessing what we're going to get from him and Tom Brady uh, coming into 2022, excuse me, 2021. If you're drafting him high, it's 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 because you're buying in at the end of last year and, and based off his talent, which I can't really blame you on, but that it's definitely opposed to what you saw earlier in the year and what his overall numbers bared out toward the air at the end of 2020. So speaking of his opportunity where he was 48th in air yards, 52nd in average target distance. He only had 19 deep targets and nine red zone targets. I mean, he was 104th in the league in target rate, which is targets per route run. So I'm not sure if that'll change much as long as Brady's there. I mean, we look at past Brady led offenses and he does throw the ball around to everybody. There is no one specific target that he likes to go to. Um, So I don't know if that'll change much as long as Brady's there. And I think you're going to be looking at a lot of rushing game scripts. So I don't know if the pie is going to be that big. And, and, you know, if he doesn't have a huge share of that pie, um, his opportunity just might not be there to be a a WR1 or a high-end WR2. Um, And it's kind of been underrated, his quarterback situation through his career. I mean, he had Jameis, which in real football is a terrible quarterback. In fantasy, he's he's a goldmine. And then he goes to Brady, who's one of the best, if not the best quarterback of all time and has been fantasy-friendly at times. And I think it could just get worse for him. I mean, if Brady retires after this year, nobody would be surprised. Um, And then it's not like they're going to be in a position to draft a quarterback. Um, So I'm just not sure you can project much of anything for Chris Godwin confidently coming into this year and especially beyond this year. Uh, So I think it's just more tentative for me to have him at 15 as opposed to uh, two or three spots higher as you guys have him. So I will echo a little bit of that concern, but I'll start off by excusing some of the worries that you had. Early in the season, he had that nagging, a few nagging injuries that kept him out of half of his games to start the season. Uh, Through week eight, he had only played in four games. So I could see how, especially after the COVID-ridden offseason, that it may be difficult to get on track after that start. But at the same time that he comes back from injury in week nine, that's also when Tampa Bay added Antonio Brown into the fold. And this is the thing that really has me worried. After Brown was added to the team, Godwin did not break 17 fantasy points in half point PPR with the exception of the final week of the, of the year against Atlanta, 
where Atlanta had nothing to play for. It has to be worrisome seeing how big of a role Antonio Brown had once he came along. Mike Evans is unique in what he does, as whereas he's going to be the red zone weapon. But there's a lot of overlap between what Antonio Brown does and what Chris Godwin does. So if they're still going to incorporate Antonio Brown and have him play the same role and give him as much of that pie like you're talking about. Do you want some pie? Not me. I hate pie. What are you talking about? Who hates pie? Everyone loves pie. I've always hated pie. You never understood me. You're a pie racist. Well, you're a cobbler whore. For God's sake, get off pie. It's going to come at Godwin's expense, I think. The good news is that if Brady does lock into a weapon over his career, with the exception of one of the best of all time, Randy Moss, it's always been the slot guy for him. It's been the Julian Edelman. It's been the Wes Welker. And that's Godwin's role with Tampa Bay. Godwin was great when he was targeted last year. Whenever he did get the ball thrown his way, yeah, his efficiency very was really receiver. good. His efficiency yeah, no was, was definitely that. great. So if you see the pie become larger or Godwin's slice get a little bit bigger, I, I think he's still going to be just fine. I think the days that uh, a year or two ago where we looked at him as on the Mount Rushmore of fantasy receivers going in, I don't think that's a realistic ceiling anymore as long as the receiving group is so crowded. And that's not even to mention the two tight ends that are going to be a part of that receiving game too. But as long as it's as crowded as it is now, I don't think that top five wide receivers in his realistic range of outcome anymore. That being said, of the guys we've talked about, and we're all the way down to number 14 now, he has one of, if not the highest floor out of just about anyone we've talked about in the least in the last half dozen or so. As long as he stays healthy, there's no reason to think that he's not putting up at minimum wide receiver two numbers. Devin, give me your one-word projection for Chris Godwin in 2021. Uh, 2021, I think he will finish WR10. Wow, but that's at least eight words. Yeah, I That's a lot of words. I, didn't I was have hoping a, for like legit or like sick or I didn't like have, bum. I didn't have a one <laughs> word. I'm a big, I'm a big Godwin guy. I'm a big Godwin guy, and he's only 25. So your concerns for this year make sense, but your concerns for your future projections doesn't make any sense. He's only 25. We'll be 26 late February. Uh, that's coming right into big prime numbers. That's from 26 to 32. That's six more years of high fantasy production, you'd think. Um, Antonio Brown's old. Tom Brady's old. Once those guys hang it up, I still think Goblin's talented enough to be a top five, top ten wide receiver from ages like 28 to 30, 32, 33. It's just right now it's a little muddy. Are you a Kyle Trask fan? Do you think he's going to be the one keeping Chris Godwin in fantasy relevance after Brady hangs it up? Absolutely not. <laughs> How can you be so confident? I'm confident. Like Shadi was saying, I'm a, I'm if it's confident. Brady's last year, you got to be scared. I'm confident in the receiver's abilities. I don't think a lot of the times – Allen Robinson's a great example um, of a guy who has a bad quarterback isn't going to pr- produce. Uh, in Jerry Judy's case, however, he has a bad quarterback, doesn't produce as well. Also, the kid has a case of the drop well, that's because – He's just bad. That's that's his fault. Oh, Jesus. Who, Judy? Jerry yeah, Judy? Judy's terrible. Okay, we're not going to talk about Oh, my God. We're on, we're on hey, Chris we'll talk Godwin. about it next week. We're yeah. on Chris Godwin. Um, I just I just believe in Chris Godwin as a great receiver, and I don't think poor quarterback play will hinder anything he does. And I think that's most that's the case for most great receivers, in my opinion. Gotcha. We're going a little long on Chris Godwin, so let's move on. Number 15. Um, Allen Robinson is our 15th wide receiver. I have him ranked at number 14. Devin has him at 14, and Kyle has him at 17. So me and Devin are ranked at 14, but I want to take the lead here on Allen Robinson. So 
kind of on the flip side of Godwin, where you had the efficiency but lacked the opportunity, Allen Robinson has been opportunity-driven but lacked some efficiency, right? So he doesn't separate much. He was 84th in target separation in football. Uh, he also was kind of high in, in his drop rate. Uh, he didn't really even have great contested catch rates, but watching him and the quality of targets that he was seeing from the quarterbacks, the likes of uh, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, I mean, it, it was pretty obvious that his talent wasn't being utilized the way it should be. And, uh, you know, increased uh, talent being thrown in a quarterback position like Justin Fields uh, should open some things up for him. I mean, even with all the negative things I said, he still had a fantasy points per game of wide receiver 13. So I think you can attribute a lot of the negatives of Allen Robinson's career in general, but especially last year, to terrible quarterback situation. And that leads us to Justin Fields coming into Chicago and what that could mean for A-Rob. If you believe Fields is as good as I do, which I think he was probably the second-best quarterback in the draft, um, I think his target quality should jump like crazy, and he should have a sustained level of opportunity that he's had throughout his career because he is that good. So I think you're looking at a wide receiver that could be potentially unlocked if Justin Fields is who we think he is. They are who we thought they were. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Uh, so that's where, that's where I lean on Allen Robinson. So what do you guys got? Your sentiment about the quarterbacks, that's not unique. Everyone knows that about Allen Robinson is that – Justin Fields on paper is supposed to look like the most talented quarterback that he's ever played for. But there's a few things to go with that. One is we don't know when Justin Fields is taking over. Uh, can you really have trust in Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to run this team with logic? Because they haven't been doing it for the last three years. The back and forth experiment between Foles and Trubisky was just a nightmare. So it wouldn't surprise me if it takes till week seven, week eight before oh, no they way. finally cut Fields in. I, hey, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me. I don't. I wouldn't bet on that. And if I'm the coach of that team, I put him in week one. I don't care what he looks like. But it They're wouldn't surprise me if it's death warrant if they wait that long. Yeah, I think you're probably right, but. You have to then put together the other half of the pie, which is Justin Fields. So if Fields is as good as you and obviously I know Devin think he is, then okay, that's great. He now has the best quarterback he's ever played for. But we saw several QB needy teams skip on Justin Fields at the draft. If this is warranted and there's actually something about this kid and he's not as good as the two of you and a lot of other people think he is, then suddenly it goes back to Blake Bortles being the most talented quarterback he's played with, which by the way, People had the same thoughts about Blake Bortles coming out of school. He was a an early-round pick also, and he didn't necessarily make Allen Robinson great. They had the one year in 2015 where they really connected, but I'm going to read you off the season stat lines when it comes to Allen Robinson. Scratch the year in 2017, his last year with Jacksonville, where he played one game, saw one target. But his other six years, averaging out those numbers is not incredibly impressive. He'd averaged seven, 76 catches, 997 yards, and six and a half touchdowns. And that's solid. And I think that's about what I would expect from him. Maybe that's somewhere near his floor, but I think expecting him for over 100 catches, 14, 1,500 yards, and double-digit touchdowns, I don't think that's realistic anytime soon. Now, he is on the franchise tag, so his situation could completely change next year. But to expect Justin Fields to come in year one, take the reins early, and be even average would be the best he's ever played with. But to expect him to be league average, that, that is still a tall order, and it's not guaranteed. Well, let me ask you this. So if Justin Fields plays at the same level of the quarterback play that he's experienced the past few years, 
I mean, that's that's like bare. That's like bare minimum. That's like base level. That's like what we bare minimum. Yeah, that's kind of what you don't even you, realize the pun you just made. <laughs> it's bare minimum. B e a r. <laughs> yeah, you did it. But uh, yeah, I put that one together. I'm pretty smart. But even if he's that like that bad, but he's the starting quarterback, or Andy Dalton's the starting quarterback, I think you can still count on the opportunity. And obviously, opportunity is king in fantasy. And having him ranked at 14, I mean, that's where he finished last year at fantasy points per game. So that's almost kind of just leaving him with a with a projection or an understanding that he can at least get back to where he was last year. And if you look at the upside, I think his upside is for sure wide receiver one uh, for multiple years to come. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, he's, he's talented enough to do it. And I come off negative. I think I'm just defending the fact that I had him three spots lower than you guys. I still have him as a mid-range WR2 moving forward. He's starting to get there in age. He's starting to near that peak. He's only 27, so there's no reason to sound the warning bells yet. But there is still a lot up in the air, too, of what happens to him after this. If he does have success this year or the Bears have success this year, then obviously there's a good chance that he stays in Chicago and he pairs up with Fields. And if they have success, it's going to be because Fields was talented. So I think that's what you're hoping for if you're an Allen Robinson owner is that Fields comes in and he is who Chicago thought thought that he is, has a good season, and then they sign him down to a long-term deal where he can be the number one. And I don't think he has any competition at number two. You guys seem to be high on that scrawny little WR2 they have out there, but I don't think he has any competition that's anywhere near the level that would steal targets from him. I feel like I have to defend myself. I'm not high on Darnell Mooney. I just Darnell like Mooney's him a as a role player. <laughs> Darnell Mooney is a stud. I don't want to hear it. No slander for Darnell Mooney. You take your Darnell Mooney and you get the <laughs> f*** out of here. Uh, but I'll say this about the to just to close out Allen Robinson. Like you said, you know, if he has success, he's probably sticking around. Um, you think you could say that about almost anybody when it comes to winning fixes everything. That's a quote that a good friend of mine likes to say a lot. Winning fixes everything. That's facts. And if if they start winning, if they beat the Packers once or twice next year, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna want to keep Allen Robinson in town. I think they're gonna throw a bag at him for sure. Number sixteen. Number sixteen in our wide receiver rankings, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is number twelve in Kyle's rankings, number eighteen in Devin's, and number sixteen in mine. Devin, you're quoted as saying Amari Cooper is the most boring wide receiver of all time. <laughs> But I need you to sell me on Amari Cooper. <sighs> I was I was gonna lead with can we pick a more boring person to talk about? He is the model of consistency, though, really. Um, in since he's been in Dallas, the year he got traded to Dallas with the joint year with the Raiders, he had quick maths here. Two plus two is four minus one. That's three quick maths. Um, seventy-five catches. He had just under a thousand yards, or maybe just over, and he had seven touchdowns in the whole total year. His next year in Dallas, seventy-nine cra- gra- grabs for eleven 1, hundred yards, eight touchdowns, and then this past year, without Dak Prescott, ninety-two grabs, eleven 1, hundred yards, five touchdowns. He's just he just does it over and over and over again. He's very consistent. He'll be twenty-seven this month. He's a fantastic route runner with two other great weapons with Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb on his team. A coach who isn't really a good coach, but really puts up a fun electric offense, even if it's boring and vanilla like it was in Green Bay after a while. I think he's got a good quarterback that works well with what he wants to do. 
the Cowboys offense should be great with a good old line and Zeke again. So Amari Cooper just sounds like a, a solid pick every year. He's just lower for me because I think the 17 guys I have ahead of him are just better at, at being a wide receiver than he is. Sure, Amari Cooper's a good, good route runner. His hands are pretty solid. He does always seem to kind of drop one or two really random deep passes in like crucial moments, crucial moments for the Cowboys. And I usually like to yell at my TV, God, Amari Cooper, you f***ing suck. Because usually I have him on FanDuel that week because he's always the same price every single week. It's like $6,200. It's like WR2 every week. Pisses me off. Anyways, I just think guys like Keenan Allen are better. Mike Evans are better. Jamar Chase, Michael Thomas, Allen Rams are all better guys that I'd rather draft than Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper... Yeah, he's boring. He really is. But, I, I mean, you look at the, the small sample size we had of him and, and CeeDee Lamb together. He was still Definitely leading CeeDee Lamb in the, the big fantasy producing categories like targets, um, receptions, yards, in that short sample that we had. Um, he was outscored fantasy points by CeeDee Lamb, but I think that was just because of touchdowns. So, I don't think there's any reason to believe that him and, and, and CeeDee Lamb can't coexist and score fantasy points next to each other for at least this upcoming year and maybe further on. I mean, I I mean, I have him at 16. I think that's fair. I mean, I don't know if you could be you could convince me one way or another to have him higher or lower. It's just he's just there, and until something changes in Dallas, that's probably where he's going to stay because, like you said, I mean, he produces. Whether, whether you like talking about him or not, the guy never speaks. All he does is produce, so... I'm, I'm comfortable with him there in our rankings. Number 17. Number 17, we have Keenan Allen. Kyle's the highest at 15. Me and Devin have them both ranked at number 17. Devin and I. Kyle, you talking about Kyle Allen or Keenan Allen? Sure. Um, I'm a huge fan of Keenan Allen. have been his whole career. Ever since he got slapped with the unnecessary injury label or injury-prone label, which was completely unfair. Uh, he's been the... Model of consistency. Devin just gave that crown to Amari Cooper, and Keenan Allen should be coming for his throat any day now. The biggest knock on him is he's 29 years old. He still haven't hasn't really hit that age where he's not going to be fantasy relevant. And like we talked about yesterday, he's got the skill set that translates. He wins with technique and short uh, short area route running. He beats you off the line of scrimmage. He's not out there winning because he's the best athlete on the field, although he is a good athlete. But for his career. Anytime he's played more than eight games, so all but two seasons of his career, he's been on pace for 92 catches, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns. I don't, you don't get much more consistent than that. He's one of the most, I would call him the second most underrated fantasy football wide receiver that we've seen in the last five to 10 years. We're going to talk about the guy who I have number one here in just a minute, but. If you're looking for someone in that WR2, WR3 area, which is where he was going, there's not many options out there that present a higher floor than Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is definitely the model of consistency. Funny enough, I just had a conversation with somebody this week about him. Uh, he was trying to make a trade in a dynasty draft, and we talked about Keenan Allen because he has him on his team, and he's like, I don't really have any stud-wide receivers. It's like, bro, you have Mike Evans and Keenan Allen. What are you talking about? And he's like, Keenan Allen's injury-prone. I was like, are you... Are you stupid? Sure, he kind of gets beat up with a few nagging injuries, but this guy doesn't miss games. I think last year, too, he had the stat where on third downs, he had the most first down conversions for wide receivers. This this guy just gets open. He's just consistent. He has a great young quarterback with him. Um, possibly a, a more better, a more better, that's a terrible sentence. More <laughs> that's the Hawaiian in me from being Hawaiian. That's, that's done more better. better. The more, more better. better. <laughs> uh, he's got a better offense now. Uh, with a with a better head coach, better quarterback. 
I, I think Keenan Allen is very consistent. His knock is the age, but I think you got three to five years of solid football after he never has another major injury. Nothing ankle-wise or foot-wise. I think we're, we're good with him for another handful of years. More better. More better. More better. <laughs> number 18. Mike Evans is our number 18 wide receiver. I have him at 20. Devin, you have him at 16 at the highest. And Kyle has him at 18. It's funny to mention, we all have Mike Evans either four or five spots ranked behind Chris Godwin. So you got two guys on the same offense. Kyle, why don't you lead us off on Mike Evans? Yeah, for Evans, he's who I was alluding to as probably the most underrated fantasy wide receiver in the last five to 10 years. Kid's outstanding. All he does is produce. It's hard to call him a kid anymore. He's 27 years old, and maybe that's why it's almost consensus to have Godwin ahead of him as he's a couple years older. But at a minimum, this guy's given you 70 catches, 1,000 yards, and a handful of touchdowns every single year. In fact, the very minimum for his career, he's never had less than 67 catches. He's never had less than 1,001 yards. He's never had less than three touchdowns. Last year, you saw he was an extension of the run game at the goal line where he was catching one-yard touchdown pass, it seemed like, every single week on red zone. So he's got his role locked in. Gronk is not the same Gronk from six years ago that's going to catch 15, 20 touchdowns from Brady. All right, that's Evans' role now. Evans is going to be that red zone warrior for Tampa, and I don't see any reason to think it's not going to continue. He doesn't need the volume, I don't think, that Chris Godwin needs in order to be effective because he can do it with big plays and in the red zone. So although I do have Godwin higher because I like that floor a little bit more, I think Mike Evans is almost just as safe. Mike Evans, a big contested catch, tight wide receiver, low volume, like you mentioned, um, but hyper-efficient in, the, in the, the high fantasy point scoring areas like the red zone and the, and, the, uh, and the goal line tosses. But I think what scares me away from Mike Evans a little bit, I mean, I only have him two spots below you, so obviously not scaring me too much. It's just when these big-time um, contested catch style wide receivers fall off, they fall off quick, and, and they fall hard. Um, and he's only 27 and I think he still has a great 2021 ahead of him. Um, but like I mentioned with Chris Godwin, not knowing what the situation is past Tom Brady, uh, and having a guy that, that doesn't separate much like Mike Evans doesn't separate much. You got to look at, he's not going to have a gunslinger like Jameis. He's not going to have a hyper accurate guy like Tom Brady, uh, a guy who's going to trust him to jump up and get the ball. I just, I don't know if he's going to be able to stay efficient with that low volume as he gets older. Um, but still, 20, I have him as a, a mid-tier to high-tier, uh, or to high-end, or to low-end, excuse me, wide receiver too. So I'm not super out on Mike Evans. I'm just a little bit more conservative on him, I think. Number 19. Number 19, we have Brandon Ayuk. Devin, you're the highest at 19. Actually, we're tied at 19. And Kyle, you're the lowest at 25. So, Devin, you start us off with the positives. I'm sure Kyle will come in with the negatives, as always. Just the most pessimistic, depressed bastard I know. Um, oh, dude, do you do you listen to Devin when he signs off the shows? <laughs> yeah, but you're like, you're like me. outward. Like, Devin's like, you just give him a chance and he'll just like throw a few things out there. You're just like, you can see it on your face. <laughs> I let it out there so it doesn't eat me up on the inside. Uh, okay. <laughs> now you guys talk about football I'm putting my chemical romance back on You like D&D, Audrey Hepburn, Fangoria, Harry Houdini, and Croquet You can't swim, you can't dance, and you don't know karate Face it, you're never gonna make it I don't wanna make it I just wanna <laughs> <laughs> um, Brandon Ayuk is 23 
had a pretty solid year last year, being pretty much the only guy there to catch a football because everybody was hurt. Uh, 60 catches, 748 yards, 5 touchdowns. He finished as WR2 for all rookies behind uh, Justin Jefferson, as we could have all guessed. I think Brandon Ayuk is the safest wide receiver to draft, uh, especially right now where we have our rankings. I think he's the safest dynasty receiver to draft. Why is he the safest? Uh, average 15.38. Per, uh, points per game, which was good for WR18. The games he did end up playing, he missed a handful last year. Not too many. Terry McLeod, which is ahead of Terry McLaurin, which is ahead of C.D. Lamb, and which is ahead of T. Higgins, which are guys we've all talked about minus T. Higgins. Um, I think he's the most talented receiver on the on the on the team behind. Uh, I mean, Debo Samuel's uber talented, but that guy seems to not be able to stay healthy either. But I think he's more talented overall. He kind of fits the. Godwin-ish mold because he's a little undersized receiver, a great route runner, a great slot receiver. Uh, the, the only thing that's kind of would shy me away from Ayuk this year um, is because of little George Kittle's back, and that guy's going to command at least 100, 100 passes uh, in the regular season, you'd think. Debo Samuel being back will command all the target share that Ayuk got last year, so Ayuk's numbers might dip because everyone's together. You have Jimmy Garoppolo back, or Trey Lance back. You'll have your whole running back regime healthy. you have your whole O-line healthy. It's just kind of a scary situation for Ayuk, because even though I think he's more talented than everybody, receiver-wise, minus George Kittle, I just it's a little, it's a little, little sketch, because of you're not really sure what you're going to get. I think he'll have some boomer bust weeks. I think his best, uh, best case scenario though for Ayuk, let's say he has a great flex season this year, you're thinking WR15 finishes, which is great. Um, I think he's super safe because if Trey Lance is the guy this year or next year, I think you end up having one of the best quarterback receiver tandems with George Kittle and with uh, Debo Samuel. That's why I just think he's super safe. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off on the positive side because that's just the kind of person I am. I like to always err on the bright side. Said nobody uh, ever. The good news is when you saw him last year, the kid was talented. It weren't fluke games, all right? And he was doing it against tough de- defenses. He put up over 20 uh, points in PPR against uh, the New York football giants, against Seattle, New Orleans, Buffalo, Washington, Dallas. I, not all of them, but there's a lot of good defenses in there. The bad news is a lot of the stuff that Devin alluded to, Debo Samuel missed ha- uh, most of the season. Uh, George Kittle missed damn near all of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo missed damn near all of the season. So he was really playing with a second-string team. On top of that, the defense was completely injured, so they're playing catch-up almost every week. So it's almost like you have to see a do-over this year to see if he's actually going to be that receiver, that number one target. I, I don't think he plays number one over Kittle. I don't, I don't think many people think that, but... If he's the number two, is this offense really going to be effective enough to keep him in the high-end WR2 range? Because I really see him falling to more into the WR3 conversation. Yeah, I mean, you have him ranked just outside of wide receiver two territory, so that makes sense. Moving on to number 20. Number 20. T. Higgins. I'm the highest at 18. Devin, you have him at 20, and Kyle, you have him at 27. I'll kick us off on T. Higgins because I think he's kind of being slept on a little bit. So I think T. Higgins represents, a with Jamar Chase next to him, represents kind of a, a Tampa Bay situation from a few years ago where Higgins is the Mike Evans and Chase is the Godwin. And I honestly think he has the talent and uh, the ability with uh, attached to Joe Burrow for the next few years to have Mike Evans' level production on the outside. 
as a rookie, he was 28th in, in the league in targets. He was 10th in deep targets, which is which is nuts to me. 24th in total touchdowns with six, tied with a bunch of other guys. And he had over 900 yards. I mean, his 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 stats are very similar to CeeDee Lamb, who we have at wide receiver eight. And granted, CeeDee Lamb did succeed with a worse quarterback situation uh, and next to more dynamic weapons. But I think uh, a guy that produces almost identically to, to CeeDee Lamb and it isn't being talked about much simply because they brought in another really good wide receiver is just kind of crazy to me. I think I think it might actually help his production. Um, his eight games with Joe Burrow, he went over 10 fantasy points in seven of them, including four touchdowns. So I think you can look for more production uh, with, a, with a full season from Joe Burrow, a better relationship building there. Still going to play on the outside. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Chase spends a lot of time moving from the, ins, uh, from the slot to the outside with uh, – Tyler Boyd spent a lot of time in the slot. So I think you can get him at a discount right now because Chase is kind of scaring some people away. So I think it's a good time to buy T. Higgins. And uh, like I said, the correlation to to Mike Evans really stands out to me, and uh, I think that's a recipe for success. Kyle, do you have anything to say about T. Higgins? You're the lowest on him by, by a wide margin at 27. Yeah, I, I still don't think my 27 rank is really far off from where he should be. He's in a sort of a unique situation where if you're – targeting the Cincinnati receiving core, you're either spending up on Jamar Chase or you're waiting for the value later on in Tyler Boyd. So you find Higgins sort of in this no man's land in between. And I think that may be what causes him to drop down a little bit. I am a little bit concerned about what his ceiling is going to be moving forward. Maybe he shocks everyone and he becomes the number one and stays the number one, even with Jamar Chase in town. But even last season where he had a pretty good rookie year, 67 catches for 908 yards and six touchdowns, he never broke 20 fantasy points for you. And that's even including a two-touchdown game at Philadelphia. I think the A.J. Green role is going to be stepped into almost seamlessly by Jamar Chase, whereas he's going to become the instant alpha and he's going to do a lot more with those targets than we were seeing late-stage A.J. Green do. And I don't know how much that leaves for T. Higgins, especially if Tyler Boyd continues to be that steady presence as that high reception guy. So although I do love the talent and I like your comparison a lot to Mike Evans, very similar, I don't know that he's he's definitely not going to be the alpha as long as Jamar Chase is there. And I don't think you can depend on him to even be second on the tar- team and targets as long as Tyler Boyd's there. And then if you start getting the backfield and Joe Mixon a little more involved, we just got how much are we really expecting from Cincinnati's offense? Do we really expect them supporting four fantasy assets? Because I just don't see it happening. I think he's talented and in time the situation could improve, but I think the ceiling's capped just with the personnel he has around him. Yeah, you lay out the concerns well. I think it's time to move on. Number 21. Number 21, we have Cortland Sutton. I have him the lowest at 23, but we're stacked right on top of each other. Kyle has him at 22, and Devin, you have him at 21. So, Devin, why don't you uh, break down Cortland Sutton for me? Cortland Sutton really came out of the scene uh, the year before he got hurt, having a super solid season. No one really saw it coming. I didn't really know anything about Cortland Sutton before he blew up. Um... His career numbers are pretty solid with 214 targets, uh, 117 receptions, uh, 1,800 yards, 10 touchdowns. That's all off pretty much that last season. And this past season, everyone's expecting a huge year for him, and sadly he turns his ACL immediately. In that game, he had three ca- three grabs for 66 yards too. Um, the biggest concerns with Corlin Sutton aren't him himself, I don't think. I think ACL injuries, as long as it's just the ACL, they're a lot less scary nowadays to come back from. 
Sutton's biggest issue isn't him, it's his quarterbacks. If it's Drew Locke, it's just... The man, I, I'm such a Drew Locke guy, as I think he's a cool guy. I think he's a cool quarterback. Is he any good? Absolutely fucking not. Well, he went um, to Mizzou, so he's a scumbag, he, I guarantee it. Yeah. White, white <laughs> yeah, boy, Rick. That's true. If uh, you get any consistent quarterback play, and if, if Teddy Bridgewater ultimately beats out Drew Locke, which I think he definitely will, I think you could see Sutton having, again, a very solid production season. That team is loaded with weapons. When you have two good running backs, you have a great young up-and-coming tight end. You have another great receiver, <coughs> Jerry Judy, who I love and Brett likes. Uh, it's just... Boom or bust, depending on the quarterback play. I think Sutton can give you, like, if it's Drew Locke all season or if it's in just inconsistent quarterback play, you're thinking for this one year, like 72 grabs for just over 1,000 yards and six to seven, six to eight touchdowns. He's only 25, though. So if the Broncos can ever find a steady quarterback this year or next year or even the next, Sutton's only 28 if it takes three years to find someone good to throw him the football. If he stays in Denver, you still have a very long, promising career for Sutton. I think the the future is bright for him if he just gets a quarterback that can give him the football, man. Jesus. Yeah, you hit it with that, with the quarterback problems that he's had his whole career. Allen Robinson has the market cornered, but Cortland Sutton hasn't had it any better. But the good news is, like you said, he's only 25 years old, so these situations change sometimes completely overnight. For some reason, which I have no idea what that is, 50% of the population still is holding out hope that Aaron Rodgers is going to be his quarterback this year. I've it's already spoken up that that's ridiculous, but it doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. In the next two, three years, like you said, all they have to do is get someone in there who can be league average for you, and he's going to be fine. At 25 years old, he's got plenty of time for that turnaround. And you talked about his breakout a couple seasons ago with the revolving door, with three different quarterbacks under center. He was on pace. Uh, if you extrapolate that entire season, in which I think he played nine games, he was on pace for 75 catches, over 1,100 yards, and five touchdowns, which is just solid for a 23-year-old wide receiver. Uh, he's a big body at 6'4". He's definitely the alpha because Jerry Judy is trash and K.J. Hamler is just a support player. So I love Sutton as the alpha in an offense that is bound to explode if they can get anyone in there who can sling the rock. Watch this kid's highlight reel. I, I wouldn't recommend that very often. I don't want you to make your assessment on a player ever based on their highlight reel. But Cortland Sutton has one of the most impressive ones in the league. Wait, that's all I do, though. I mean, yeah, that's that's why you're awful that's at fantasy. I, that's why I form all my analysis yeah, from. Who cares about the negatives? Yeah, that's why you have Deontay Johnson. But we'll get to that whenever the time comes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sutton. Oh, I, I am glad to see the community's kind of caught up. His ADP was a lot lower in both redraft and dynasty, and it's been creeping up over the last month or two. So I'm... I'm I'm not glad at that because I can't get him at a value anymore, but I, I am glad to see that uh, my opinion is sort of becoming more and more the consensus, and I'm sure that's directly because of my influence as a podcaster. Yeah, all five and a half episodes. Uh, I think this is just a good opportunity to kind of shit talk the Broncos for a second because how do you not take a quarterback at where they were sitting in the in the draft? I mean, there was two guys there, Justin Fields and uh, Mac Jones, that they could have taken, and and – I don't see how you don't. I mean, with all the talent you have, young talent, cheap, cheap talent on offense, but all the guys they have on rookie contracts, K.J. Hamlin, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and you just keep throwing out guys like Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I, it just blows me away. Know. If you don't think Fields is that guy, don't draft him. But if Fields does turn into that guy, the same way that Chicago's been clowned for the last three years for passing up on Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson – Denver's going to be right there catching the rhythm. Yeah, I mean, you you don't 
be overconfident in your evaluation. If there's a highly rated quarterback on the board, you take him just because of positional value. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, let's move on here. We got number 22. Number 22. Kenny Galladay. I have him ranked at 22. Kyle's the highest at 20, and Devin is the lowest at 26. So, Devin, what, what's your problem with Kenny Galladay? Um, for me, my... <sighs> I did a lot of research on Kenny Galladay, but my biggest problem, I think, initially is, I just, I don't know, I don't, I don't know Kenny Galladay as like, I don't see him as this number one, this next guy. You're 27. You're got your, your, you escaped the Detroit Lions. You did it. You're gonna be the dude now. You're about to be a top 12 or fantasy receiver every year. I don't see it. All right, that's that's why I'm low on him. I just don't see. The big promise in him. To me, he doesn't do anything super sexy, super fantastic. He is a big, another big buy receiver, but I, I don't know. The new offense, a lot of mouths to feed. But I will say this uh, positively about him. I do think there's a strong possibility that if uh, and, uh, Andrew Jones, what the hell, <laughs> Daniel Jones can make a, a significant jump, you could see... Stefan Diggs type season from Kenny Galladay being the bona fide number one guy in a more prolific offense, but I think a lot of it hinders on Daniel Jones' production. I've seen a lot of things where people think Jones can make a sort of Josh Allen-esque leap, which would be absolutely ridiculous if that happened. If something along those lines even happened for Jones where he's just adequate to above average, then I think he could support the Kenny Galladay numbers, but if Jones is just Jones, or even below average, I just don't think for this year the support's there. I'm lower on Galladay. Let me put your mind at ease, okay? So, do it, please. Daniel Jones does not need to be Josh Allen. He doesn't need to be this top five quarterback. He only needs to be the quarterback that he has been. And you might hear that and think, well, he's been terrible. You're only half right. He's only terrible in one situation, and that is when Saquon Barkley's not on the field. He's played 27 career games now with New York. In those 27 games, he's played 12 of them with Saquon Barkley. In those 12 games, he's averaging almost seven more fantasy points, five more pass attempts, four more completions, over 50 more yards, a whole touchdown plus, and .1 fewer interceptions. So if adding a running back has that kind of impact on you as a quarterback, adding Kenny Galladay, getting Saquon Barkley back, adding first-round pick Kadarius Toney and bringing in another experienced veteran in Kyle Rudolph, I think that Daniel Jones is going to be much improved this year if we see everyone on that offense stay healthy. As far as the too-many-mouths-to-feed argument, that's not Galladay's game. Galladay's never had to be that guy. He makes his money on efficiency. He's never received 120 targets, even with his time with Matt Stafford. If you see Saquon Barkley stay healthy, he's going to be the number one on a team who already has a good defense. So if the offense catches up, they could be in a lot of competitive games. Again, Galladay doesn't need to see 160 targets to be fantasy relevant. Daniel Jones doesn't need to be Josh Allen. Okay, If they can just each take slight steps forward, he's going to put up a WR2 season. I guarantee it. Number 23. Moving on to number 23, Cooper Cup. I have him the lowest at 27, Devin has him at 24, and Kyle has him at 21. So I think I need to defend my low ranking, and I'm going to do it by copping out immediately. I have him ranked too low. <laughs> That's just the fact of the matter. I need I need to move him up a little bit. But I'm going to go into uh, 
some of the things that just what I've what I've come to find out about Cooper Cup as I've done research on him. So he's going into his age twenty eight season, still not old. Uh, he's had a good moment in his career with the with the team the way they are, ready to compete right away. He succeeds from the slot, aligning there more than sixty percent of the time, which is no news to anybody. But what you have to remember is Matt Stafford's coming in, and he led the league in passer rating when targeting the slot in 2019, and he was also high in that metric in 2020. He has a long history of utilizing players from the slot that are similar to Cooper Cup, guys like Golden Tate um, in Detroit, Danny Amendola even uh, in Detroit. He utilizes guys like that a lot. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about with Cooper Cup is it's so hard to predict his touchdown totals. I mean, he went from... I think he had like 50% of the total receiving touchdowns in LA uh, two years ago. And then last year he had what, two or three touchdowns. It's like, yeah. it's just, there's, yeah, there's just no year. way. Yeah. Three. So there's just like, what, what are you going to get from the touchdown department? And, you know, if this team has a, has good game scripts, like we're kind of predicting, I think a lot of people think the Rams are going to be a good team, have a good defense, uh, rely on the running game a lot. Are we expecting a lot of uh, money targets, some red zone targets, got, you know, opportunities for him to get into the end zone more than he did last year? I just don't know if we can predict that. And I think that's the uh, the scary part is you have a lot of weapons around there. I mean, everyone loves Robert Woods for good reason. He plays on the outside. He runs routes really well. He's always open. Cooper Cup is your slot target. gets open from the slot. He runs more intermediate routes, so I think you can get more chunk plays out of him than you would from a Robert Woods but predicting his touchdown totals, I think, will limit it. Not being able to predict his touchdown total totals limits the upside that I can put him in my ranks. That the how high I can put him in my ranks. But like I said, 27 is a little too low, so I will be moving him up. Um, I just rather have um, I'd rather have Cup over Woods, just because he's a little bit younger. But that's pretty much the only reason. Um, and with Stafford uh, utilizing the slot a little bit more, that gives him a bump as well. I just have some fun little numbers I found about the Rams as a team um, this year. Well, I think actually more next year. Uh, Robert Woods will be 30 after this season. In post-June 1st cut for next year, the Rams can save $13.5 million in cap by cutting Robert Woods. Right now, they have $204 million committed to the cap for players for next year, and the cap this year is $182.5 million and expected to jump around $10 million. So even before they cut Robert Woods, they're over the cap by about $12 million. You cut Robert Woods, and you're above the cap by $1.5 million. It sounds like Robert Woods, I know it's really weird to talk about a year in advance or a year prior, but it sounds like Robert Woods is kind of a hot take-cut candidate for next year. And if that's the case, Cooper Cup is your bona fide number one wide receiver in L.A. Sure, he plays in the slot, but he's the dude there. I think Matt Stafford does bring a lot of positives in a sexy Sean McVay offense that's really going to benefit Cooper Cup. The touchdown thing is, I think it's an anomaly, an anomaly for last year. He had 10 in 2019. I think he had 6 or 7 in 2018. You should be looking for more to the 6 to 7 range. With more consistent quarterback play, more better, uh, more consistent You about play to say more better, more better again? <laughs> I almost said more better again, dude. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I just think his, his stock should be way up after next year, especially if they do. That's just Cooper Cup's the dude then. It's a nice little nugget there. Yeah, that's a lot of speculation for me. Uh, I like that stuff. I like to try to, I love trying to break down the cap, especially with teams that are so unpredictable, like the Rams. Like 
they yeah, don't that, care. That's definitely like, they don't care who you are, what they invested in you. If they want to make a move, you're out of there. See ya. Yep. They yeah, literally they are. It's fun to watch, really. Number 24. Deontay Johnson. I have him the highest at 21. Devin has him in the middle at 25, and Kyle's the lowest at 28. What do we got on Deontay Johnson? Okay, I'll be quick with mine. But the obvious thing, led the league 16 drop passes last year. He's a volume-dependent receiver with an aging quarterback and an offense that's going through a transition. So I don't like the position that he's in as much as I think a lot of other people do, but I will explain that more. Coming up near the end of the show, stay tuned. Uh, a few, I have some few numbers just on Deontay. Uh, he was sixth in the NFL in targets last year. That's kind of wild, huh? I didn't even know that. Uh, 88 grabs on those targets. Uh, 923 yards, seven touchdowns. The biggest thing for this guy is his, his, his brother can't hold on to the ball, as Kyle just alluded to. Um, he was uh, he had the tenth uh, in the NFL and 9% drop percentage was god awful. He was benched in week 14 because of drops. He came back and had a really strong. Finish of the season, but we, we know Mike Tom's a no-nonsense guy. If you're playing like garbage out there, or you just simply can't catch the ball or aren't making the big play, you're just not going to play. And you might get benched in the middle of a game, and then you're not going to play next week because of how bad you are. But it seems like John- Johnson responded well to some of these criticisms. Uh, from weeks 9 to 16 uh, alone last year, he had 60 grabs for 595 yards and four touchdowns, which ranked third in the NFL in receptions. And eighth in yards in that span and and only scoring less than 10 points um twice in that span um i think the word like the kyle alluded to it's the transition you have juju who's also young chase claypool is young you have awesome young talent but you don't have a quarterback whom for a few years i think he's in a weird spot it's almost like Godwin-wise, weird spot, but I think Godwin's a much, much better wide receiver than Deontay Johnson. Um, But I do think he's talented. If he can sure up the drop situation, like my other guy, Jerry Judy, I think he is actually the first Steeler we've mentioned so far on this list. I think he's the better of the two other receivers in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'll keep it short on Deontay Johnson because I'm the highest on him. Um, Drops are not a sticky stat, so don't worry about that. And uh, Dwayne Haskins is coming in to start, so... Also, don't worry about the quarterback position. (laughs) Oh, geez. All right, guys. That'll do it for our rankings from 13 to 24 in our dynasty rankings. Next week, we're going to hit up 25 to 36 and close out our wide receiver dynasty rankings. But before we do that, you know what, Kyle? How about you do the recap? All right. Recapping 13 through 24, our dynasty WR2s at 13. We have Calvin Ridley, 14, Chris Godwin, 15, A-Rob, Allen Robinson out of Chicago, number 16, the most boring name on the list, Amari Cooper, number 17, Steady Eddie Keenan Allen, number 18, Mike Evans, 19, sophomore Brandon Ayuk, 20, another sophomore, T. Higgins, number 21, Cortland Sutton, 22, Kenny Galladay, Devin's little Cooper Cup comes in at 23, and then Deontay Johnson sneaks into the bottom end of our WR2 conversation at number 24. Well done, my friend. We're moving on. Redraft bust receivers, and I'm going to start us off with Odell Beckham Jr. He is being drafted as wide receiver 26, and I think it, this is just egregious. I mean, you think we're in the wrong on this one? Still in the wrong. This is egregious. Do you hear me? There's guys around him that a few that we already talked about: T. Higgins, uh, DJ Chark, Will Fuller. I would love to have all those guys before Odo Beckham. He hasn't been good in fantasy since 2016. I don't know why we're still on Odo Beckham because he made that one fantastic catch and had a great rookie year. Easy. 
No, I mean, come on. It's getting old at this point to have Odell Beckham. No, I'll agree with your point, but let's not act like he's just one play. No, I mean, I have to exaggerate. I'm making a point here. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But he's coming off an injury in a run-first offense. He never had a good connection with Baker Mayfield. He's clearly lost a step after or before the injury. We don't know what he looks like after the injury. And there's other players drafted around him that I already mentioned I'd rather have. I think they have a higher floor and ceiling combo. So at 26, I think you're really sacrificing value at the wide receiver position, going for a guy like him who you can't rely on at all. I mean, we had one full season with him in Cleveland without getting injured, and it wasn't pretty. I mean, if there's any wide receiver to have in Cleveland, it's Jarvis, and I don't even know if you can really be excited about Jarvis Landry. So Odell Beckham, overdrafted to me, 26, too high. So I share a lot of your concerns. I don't share a lot of your evaluation that you have on Odell Beckham. I think I think he's still one of the elite talents in the NFL. It's just a situation that's dragging him down. Your hope, if you're holding on to him, is just that last year as Cleveland took that turn without Odell, it was just the team taking the turn in Stefanski's offense. If Odell is a part of that next year, which he very well may be. I don't think the offense stepped forward because Odell was gone, and that seems to be one of the narratives floating out there. But if he can take a step forward in his efficiency and become a bigger role player in that offense, then he's obviously never going to reclaim the form that he was at five years ago where he was the dynasty WR1. But I think WR2 is still in his range of outcomes. I'm not drafting him there, and I'm not expecting it. Like you said, there's half a dozen guys, maybe more, going slightly after him that I'd much rather have. But I think he still has value. I'm definitely holding if he's on my dynasty squad because his value is at an all-time low right now. There is still the possibility that he bounces back next year into fantasy relevance. He's not going to be in that WR1 conversation anymore, but he he still has value for dynasty owners. I have to, I have to bounce back at you on this one because I, I don't see how you could have any confidence in any type of improvement from what we've seen. I mean, you, you say he's in, it's his situation more than it's his talent. And I, I look at other wide receivers that are producing and run first offenses. I, I don't, I can't imagine that you take one of those other wide receivers, you put them in this offense with the same opportunity and they don't succeed at a much, just, and just be much more successful. I mean, He's had zero connection with Baker Mayfield. It's almost like they're playing two different games. Yeah, but look at look at uh, how it's been for his career in Cleveland. He got over there. I think it was still Hugh Jackson or Greg Williams as the head coach. Then he got a year of the just terrible Freddie Kitchens. Last year was the first time they had a competent head coach in there since what Bill Belichick spent his week and a half over there. It may have clicked for him. We don't know because he got injured, but he may have had a better year than he's had under Kitchens or Williams or Hugh Jackson, three of the worst coaches in the NFL over the last, what, 20 years? They were just despicable. So I'm not surprised that Odell wasn't performing over there. I I don't say I have any confidence because I don't have confidence. I'm saying it is in the realm of possibility. Odell Beckham Jr., by the way, before he got hurt with his splits, was on pace for 92 grabs, 1,276 yards, and, well, he had three touchdowns before he got hurt and one rushing, so four total. He had four total all of the year prior. I didn't do the touchdown stat-wise, but Odell Beckham Jr. was on pace for a really nice season last year in Cleveland before the injury. I think I'm on Kyle's side where I think it's there for him, and I think the where, where he's sliding well, don't, in the don't, draft. Don't put me on the Odell, for... pro-Odell side. I don't want to come yeah, across. No, 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 you guys, I'm, are, both, I'm you guys pro, are both Odell I, truthers I'm now. Pro. You guys are I'm, I'm very, 
I'm very Devin, on those projections now. you just said, or not projections, but extrapolations, all that was floated by that one game against Dallas week four. He was pretty terrible outside yeah, of come that. Yeah, come on. Come <laughs> on, yeah. Small sample size, one blow-up game. The dude sucks. Let's move on. Yeah, we got it. We can't talk about Odovacum anymore. I'm going to get pissed. <laughs> all right, Kyle. Give me your first wide receiver bust. All right. The people can wait no longer. Deontay Johnson, he's a bust. So he's going right now as the WR21. So a mid to low range WR2. Everyone knows he led the league in drops last year. 16 drops is a ton. The only guy in the league that was anywhere close to him was your fanboy favorite Jerry Judy with 14. No one else in the league had more than 11. 16 drop passes is a ton. And what's even more depressing about that, 14 of those 16 drops came within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's putting up my five-year-old son type numbers with your hands. That's ridiculous. His average depth of target was insanely low. His average uh, yards per reception, 10.5. That's 98th in the league behind names like Braxton Berrios and Jordan Atkins. The kid was completely dependent on volume. Juju Smith-Schuster just resigned to a modest one-year deal, but that's just because I think uh, the Steelers really just don't re-sign wide receivers. It's only happened like twice in the last 15 years that they gave a receiver a second contract at all. I think if COVID wasn't a thing, we would have seen it be a multi-year deal, but because of the cap ramifications, it had to go down to one. I still think Juju's the number one in that Stop. offense. That's why I have him ranked the highest. I think Claypool has his role in the red zone. I don't know if Deontay Johnson's going to go out there and command 140 targets again, even in a 17-game season. That's a ton of targets. Ben Roethlisberger just claimed his reasoning for the average depth of target for him being so low was because of the total arm reconstruction. And if that's the case and his arm does come back even a little bit stronger and he starts pushing the ball downfield a little more. Comes back at his age? I'm not not saying he's going to return to MVP challenger form. I'm saying if he trusts his arm enough to go downfield a little more, the biggest person to get hit with that is going to be Deontay Johnson. So all he has to do is redistribute some of those 144 targets elsewhere. And Deontay Johnson is not efficient enough to become a wide receiver too, unless he's getting peppered with all those targets. If he is anywhere other than first in that team on targets, his stats are going to suffer. It just, I don't know, it blows my mind that you can see a guy get that many targets and not want him on your fantasy team. And as a wide receiver too. Guy gets that many targets, it's not by accident. He gets these targets because he deserves targets. Everybody knows target targets are a talent-based statistic. You don't just the get targets, targets. you have getting. to get open. I, I agree with you for the most part about targets in general. They're he's earned, a short they're area given. space player. He's he, a short he area space bad. player. He, like, it, they're all check downs and flats, and I think it's because of Roethlisberger's arm and the design of the offense, both which should be better this year. I think he was – You think his arm is going to be better this year? I Yeah. You're the only person in the world I know that thinks – he was coming off huge surgery in his late thirties. He's going to be better this year in terms He's of his coming arm off major surgery in his late thirties. In his late thirties, right. as a guy in we'll his thirties, I can man. speak to it. The body does not recover as well as it used to. I need a week and a half for hangovers now. His arm should be better this year. Okay, wait till week four when his arm is basically falling off of his body, and then we'll see what you have to say. About How do you keep twisting now? my words? Now suddenly I'm an Odell Beckham and Ben Roethlisberger truther. This isn't the case. <laughs> Because if you're using it as a point to downplay Deontay Johnson, I have to come back at it. It's not if like I, I say it's going to be go. better, I don't think he's going to return to MVP form. I just think it's going to be better. Okay. Whatever. Moving on. So sick of this just disgraceful commentary on my boy Deontay Johnson. Well, what realistically, Devin, am, I, am I wrong? Hold on. Before we move on, what, what is the realistic expectation? He's going as WR21. Do you think that's too high, too low, just right? I think it's just right. Because yeah, I right. think... 
Yeah, I think it is just right because as Devin laid out that that the weeks, I think it was week six to like 11 or something like that, where he really blew up. And there, you have to take out the games that he was he was benched. Like he played like a drive or two and then was taken out of a lot of games. So you can't just look at his game logs and say, you know, look what he did. It's like, no, he got benched from a lot of those games and still got 141 targets. So Drops if I made a sticky statistic. So if I made a bet with you right now that he does not finish as a WR2 half point per reception, you would take that bet? Yes. So he does not finish as a top 24 receiver in half point PPR. Yeah, so I, I have 24 to 1, you have 25 and up. Correct. And what are we betting? I, I hate when you do this. You're like, Hearing do you want to bet? <laughs> and then you have nothing to say. Well, I try to slap that. <laughs> All right, how about this? How about this? You have a hoodie at my house that's been here for a year and a half that I forgot to drop off. If you're wrong, I'm burning it in a bonfire. Go, all right. What happens if I win? You have to come bring it to me? You have to hand deliver it to me? Sure, that works. Oh, it gives me an excuse to get some emos. I'll take it. These are the worst yeah. bets in all of podcasting. <laughs> all the podcast bets in all the podcasts. Enough Kyle yelling at each other. Devin, give me your first wide receiver bus. You got some cool ones. I like these ones. Um, I uh, switched mine up a little bit. Uh, my first bust is uh, now back on Michael Thomas. Um, oh Jesus! It was <laughs> never it mind. Was, I take it back. I don't like it, yours. <laughs> it was originally Michael Thomas and another guy, and then I was like, nah, nah, nah. But I'm back. I'm back on the Michael Thomas hate train, only because I think his best football days are behind him. Injury wise, yeah, he kind kind of got beat up. What whatever. Came back, had a decent showing to the end of the season, but I just. The quarterback situation, sure, Winston can force feed you the ball over and over and over again, but he's getting drafted as like a WR1 again, and I think those days are just behind him at this point, especially next year. It's too much speculation. What if Taysom Hill plays a quarterback for fucking eight or nine weeks of the season? That would be the most Sean Payton thing ever, but I can see it. And then they're like, ah, okay, Jameis, you can play the last half of the season. Oh, you sucked for four games. Go get him again, Taysom. Like, it, it's a really weird, muddy situation. If you can get Michael Thomas in the third round – that's awesome. Will he go there? Absolutely not. But for a guy that you're kind of expecting to be like a WR six, seven, eight, nine for where you're drafting him, I don't like that value there anymore. I do think Winston does force feed his receivers, and that could be great for him. But this dude only runs slants and outs and ins and doesn't do anything fancy and spicy. And I don't slant boy and posts and corners and flies and hooks. No, and like, no, like he does anything that's five yards. That's it. Like. That, ooh, good one, brother. Let me, let me get 160 targets for 130 receptions and 800 yards and two touchdowns. I, I, I don't, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over Michael Thomas being a WR1. It ain't happening this year. It's not It's it's not this year. Don't pick him as your WR1. Be smarter than that. Kyle, I know you're, uh, you got a lot to say about this, so why don't you take the lead? I think I said most of it last week, so I won't pile on too much. I think he's got a ton left in the tank. Kid's only 27 years old, and you're saying his best football is behind him. His situation may be getting worse. We don't know yet. I mean, he's going from a Hall of Famer, but that Hall of Famer's arm's been thrown, falling off for two years now. You want to talk about Roethlisberger's arm? Watch him Drew Brees take from 2020. So we've seen Jameis be, keep receivers fantasy relevant. We saw Michael Thomas do uh, just fine with Teddy Two Gloves as a receiver. I'm a big fan of his talent. Like I said, I think it's a He's a victim of the offense is why he catches a lot of the short area stuff, and he's sort of just settled into that role a lot in a lot of people's minds, but I think he's a lot more talented than that. I don't think Michael Thomas is even that talented. So I, I don't think he's a top five guys. talent the way he is in fantasy, think. but I think he's a lot more talented than people think. He can do a lot more than he does 
every week. Uh, I'll give you that one. Okay. I won't make an argument there. I'm fine with what you just said. All right. I'm moving on to my second redraft bust, and that is Kenny Galladay, wide receiver 20. Another one of Kyle's boys that I need to just completely rip apart. So he, he thrived off efficiency, as Kyle mentioned before. And uh, let's let's not forget that the downgrade is substantial going from Matt Stafford to Daniel Jones. And just because Saquon is there does not make him a better passer. No matter what pretty stats you throw out there, he is one of the worst deep ball Could you sound quarterbacks like a in no the NFL. What pretty stats are out there. <laughs> Dude, I love statistics, Boomer. but you handpicked those statistics based off of one running back being in the game. Every and not any, not any of those were efficiency-based statistics. They were just counting stats. But whatever. We'll move on. Daniel Jones is one of the worst deep ball passers statistically. And Kenny Galladay is one of the best deep targets statistically. But that was when he was receiving targets from Matt Stafford. I don't think that those two things will balance each other out. I think Daniel Jones' lack of deep ball accuracy will play Kenny, Kenny Galladay in 2021 at least. Because let's not forget, he is changing offense. It's a completely different offense. And even though we saw Stephon Diggs and New Hopkins going to different offenses and succeed immediately, I don't think Kenny Galladay is that level of talent. And it's not historically accurate that guys just come into a new offense and immediately produce, especially not when they're going to a worse quarterback situation. And something's got to give in New York in terms of somebody's going to get a lot of targets. So I still think he's going to have a similar target share or a similar overall number of targets that he received in Detroit, if not a little bit less. But the efficiency, it, I just it's not going to be there like it was in Detroit. It simply won't. So drafting him at wide receiver 20, I think you're missing out on a lot of upside drafting a wide receiver that highly over other guys that we mentioned, even guys we mentioned today in our in our second dose of rankings. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I don't know that he's going to come out. Oh, you coward. Shoot back, dude. I can't sit here and claim my whole stake on Kenny Galladay being a mid-range WR2 or better in 2021. He's going to have to catch a lot of touchdowns for that to happen. So do I expect the Giants to score a lot more touchdowns? I definitely expect them to score more than they have the past couple years. But is it going to be enough to put Galladay in double digits? Because that's probably what it takes for him to be a high-end WR2 or better at this point. So I think where he's going might be a little rich. But I still think the future looks bright, like I talked about. You're disappointing me. Kyle. Yes. My son. Oh, no, we're not going to do <laughs> your that. Second, your <laughs> second redraft bust wide receiver. Oh, boy. All right, Adam Thielen. Easy bust at WR18. That's way too rich. Adam Thielen is getting up there in age. He's 30 years old, finally crossed the threshold. It's been three years since he had a 1,000-yard season. Back in 2018 was his last 1,000-yard season. In 10 games in 2019, put up just over 400 yards. And last year, only 925. Now, a lot of fantasy owners didn't realize that because he was busy scoring 14 touchdowns. I don't see that replicating itself. I still think it's a run-first offense when you have Dalvin Cook uh, back there and Kirk Cousins as your unfortunate arm. Definitely on the back nine, and he's pulling in pretty soon. I think it's pretty fair to say about Adam Thielen. Um, as you guys know, I have him in our dynasty league, and I love love him as a receiver. Um, I think the touchdown thing is the biggest uh, d- deter there. He's not going to score 14 again. He's going to come back down to earth and have you, have you about six, but is he going to get over 1,000 yards anymore? We don't know. Uh, it's a run first team. Justin Jefferson's your bona fide superstar, and it kind of puts you to the side where, like, Thielen, Thielen's going to be solid for you wherever you draft him. I just don't don't pick him as high as you would in the past few seasons. 
to let another, let another guy reach for Adam Thielen in the third or for the fourth or fifth round for them expect uh, thinking this guy's gonna finish as a WR two WR three for you when he probably isn't gonna do that and I'm gonna be stuck starting him every week in Dynasty because my team is falling apart. <laughs> Can't believe it. We all finally agree on somebody. All right, uh, Devin, give me your well, last redraft bus receiver. Uh, I'm gonna do a fun one instead of doing the other one I talked about. I have this one written down. Will Fuller. Um. He is a bust for me. I know he's going right around like WR thirty ish. So like you know, WR three basically. I just I'm just gonna tell you don't draft him. Uh, stay away from the guy completely, or let someone else draft reach for him. I think he's he's gonna be suspended. I think to start the season, if I'm not mistaken, he's gonna serve game. it right. Yeah, one, one game. game. Okay, just one game. Uh, last year he had this best year of his career, but he still didn't even finish as a WR thirty because he got suspended. But he's never finished as a WR thirty in his whole career. This dude's always hurt every single season. Something tears, something breaks, something's nagging every year with this guy. I do think he's talented, but he's going to a team with a quarterback who isn't developed yet. I think he may or may not have a better year this year, but let's just say he's average. Okay, well, you've got Preston Williams there, Devontae Parker. They drafted a guy, you might have heard of him, Jalen Waddell. They have Mike Gusecki. They drafted another tight end. That's five people that I don't know the tight end's name off the top of my head, but that's five people right there. And then you add Hunter in. Long. Well, yeah, Hunter Long. Then you add in Will Fuller. That's six guys that almost the average NFL fan can name all six of these guys. Maybe not Preston Williams or Hunter Long. I just don't think Will Fuller is going to command or see any of the target shares he's seen anywhere in Houston. I don't expect 60 targets, 70 targets. I don't expect any of that for this guy. I'm thinking like 50 catches, if that. 600 yards and four touchdowns. I just think it's going to be a very pedestrian season. I think the team he's on is great, and I think the Dolphins will be a lot better. Just don't expect anything from Will Fuller. I, I, I'm not drafting him in any leagues, in any redraft leagues I'm in. Yeah, I'm not a fan on that one at all. Fuller, uh, yes, I think the quarterback's probably definitely, or not probably, it's definitely a downgrade at quarterback. He's going to an offense where he's probably, while on paper he's probably the number two, he is going to be a veteran in the locker room with a second-year quarterback and a first-year receiver opposite him. So I think he definitely has his role on the offense. I don't think he's coming off the field very often. Kid's crazy talented. Is it because of the roids? I mean, I guess we won't know. But if he can stay healthy, <laughs> that's always been his thing. Everyone, everyone knows. You get a healthy Will Fuller, you got yourself a, a game-changer on a week-to-week basis. So I'm still a fan of having him somewhere on my lineup. If I'm dependent on him to be in my starting lineup every week, I definitely am, am not comfortable. But – as far as bi-week fill-ins, I don't think you can do a lot better than old Mr. Will Fuller the fifth. Shout out Will Fuller from the Catholic High, Philadelphia's finest. Love that guy. I really hope he succeeds. But that's it, guys. That'll do it for us. Episode six in the books. Devin, tell the people about our socials, please. Our Twitter handle is F Flexicution. We do the tweet things quite a bit. I tweet out the podcast shows. I'm going to start getting more active, getting some pulls up. It's only June, people. Uh, with slow season, slow news-wise going on until something super spicy happens. But, hey, uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, tell your friends about us. Share our podcast. I tweet out I tweet out our podcast on my Twitter. My Twitter is despawn 3 If you want to read some nonsense, there's a lot of NBA and League of Legends stuff going on I tweet about. So if you don't care about that stuff, don't read it. But, yeah, give it a uh, Give our podcast a follow. Hey, don't sell yourself short. You were tweeting about your haircut earlier today. Oh, yeah. I look terrible before I cut my hair. My God. Huh. Good tweet. Good tweet. <laughs> yeah, good <okay>. tweet. 
<laughs> my suburban shit, one of those tweets. Prius, huh? Yep. Yep. Good mileage? Oh, outstanding. Yeah. Did this come with a dental dam? <laughs> yeah. Get it? My suburban shit one of these last night. I didn't know they put tampons on wheels. <laughs> We've had our fun, huh? Looks like Scarface sneezed on your car. <laughs> all right, everybody. I'm gonna need y'all to back up now. We're taking over. At the crime scene, LOL. Good tweet. Yeah, Good tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, follow me at FF Master Debater. That's FF Master Debater because I am a master debater. Don't tweet very often. I just like Not to go on there today. And call, their, call people out. Gosh, I cannot wait till some of these bets come through. I cannot wait till in season and I get to just rub these things <laughs> in your face them, at lifetime. Dude. No, You'll I keep a note. Them. I keep notes of all these. Yeah, I got slap bets in my phone that I'm going to collect from. I saved in the five receipts. Years. I saved the receipts. They're they're Shut they're, up, they're a decade old. This is the worst two hours of my week when I have to hear you in my ear for two. It's just it's terrible. I got slap bets that here, I made please? with Hauser back when he was like 70, and I'm going to collect when he's like 90. <laughs> yeah, I was on his deathbed. <laughs> hey. I have him in a death pool, multiple death pools. Hi, motherfucker. Slap. <laughs> what are the five All fingers right. saying? Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>